Amen. Well, let's look in John chapter 3. John chapter 3. If you have not received a lapel pin, uh, we'd love for you to have one of them. And if you can just slip your hand up real quick, and the men will bring that by. They were already over here. We got one. Tim, you got those back there? Okay. Our theme for the new year is He Must Increase. And uh, we've got lapel pins for you to wear and be able to testify the fact that Christ needs to increase in our life. You just slip your hand up, and Tim will bring that right back over here, Tim. And over here. Amen. Over there. All right. And uh, so we want to testify the fact that Christ increases in our life. We want to increase every area of our Christian life, our ministry. Uh, we do that by exalting Christ. And so we'd like to have you have that pin for a testimony to that. Also, um, we have some commitment cards that um, were passed out. If you did not get one of them, we'd like to make sure that you get one of them also. And if you said, I didn't get a commitment card, but I want one, I need one, I should have one, I don't want it, but give it to me anyway, <laughs> uh, just slip your hand up and Tim will give you that, amen. We want you to have that. This is for the purpose of raising funds for two things. Uh, first of all, to get a bus, uh, which we've located one. It's a good price, and they're giving us uh, the bus for their cost at $2,600. And instead of charging us $2,700 to paint it, they're going to paint it for $2,000. And so that's a great price. I was uh, talking to someone this morning. I said, our first bus we ever bought when I got here was $4,200. And it cost us $2,000 to get it painted. And then the second bus we bought... We spent quite a bit of money on that. We spent around $10,000 or $11,000 on that bus and then had to spend $2,000 to paint it. So that was around thirteen, dollars $13,000 we spent on that bus. So this is the cheapest bus we ever bought, amen? <laughs> and uh, so we got a good deal on it. So we want to get that. And also, we want to remodel the sanctuary for the 40th anniversary. And uh, Dr. Shoemaker is going to be here. Uh, with us, and uh, he cracks up laughing every time he comes in here about this carpet, because it's been down since 1982, and he just can't believe it. And so it's held up well, uh, but we want to put all new chairs in. We want to redo the pews, have them all sanded down and restained, and have uh, paddings on the new paddings on the pews, and uh, redo the platform up here. Everything it's going to cost probably around eighty thousand dollars. So if every family in the church gave $1,000, it would take care of it. Uh, some people can't give 1000 in a year's time, uh, but others can give more than 1000 And so you just, we're just asking you to pray about what you can commit to, trusting God to give you towards the ministry in this place so that we might be able to increase in the looks of the place, increase our ministry opportunities through getting the bus, and we want Christ to increase us this year. And uh, we don't want to be stagnant. We don't want to go backwards. We want to go ahead for the Lord. So that's what that card is about. That's what that pin is about. It's celebrating 39 years of ministry, preparing for God's blessings for the 40th year. And so uh, we want you to be a part of that. In uh, John chapter 3, in verse 22, it says, And after these things came Jesus and his disciples into the land of Judea, and there he tarried with them and baptized. And John was baptizing in uh, Anan um, near Salem uh, because there was much water there. And they came and were baptized. And John was not yet cast in the pr prison. 
Then there arose a question between some of the John's disciples and the Jews about purifying. And they came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizes, and all men come to him. And Jesus, I'm sorry, and John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except to be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy, therefore, therefore is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. He that cometh from above is above all, and he that is of the earth is earthly, and speaketh of the earth, and he that cometh from heaven is above all. And what he hath seen uh, and heard, that he testifieth, and no man receiveth his testimony. He that hath received his testimony hath set to, uh, to his seal that God is true. For he whom God hath sent speaketh the words of God, for God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. The Father loveth the Son, and hath given all things into his hand. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth upon him. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful uh, for the many, many ways that you bless us and you move in our life. We rejoice in the goodness of our God in that, uh, Lord, for these 39 years you have established this church and worked in this church and uh, brought precious souls to saving grace in this church. And Lord, uh, we rejoice in um, the blessings of God that are, are beyond measure. They're, they're beyond our understanding. They're beyond our, our, our certainly our deserving. And uh, Lord, we rejoice in the goodness of our God this morning. We pray, Lord, you'd help us to understand this concept of Christ increasing in our life. Lord, I pray that he might increase in each one of us individually. I pray that he might increase in our church ministries, Lord. And I pray, God, that we'll be able to see uh, the manifold power of God moving in a way that we've never seen before. And so, God, meet our needs. Bless us, Lord, above and beyond what our desires are. And God, I pray that we might continue to see precious souls saved. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text verse is verse 30. John said, he must increase, but I must decrease. And so he must increase. 39 years of ministry here at Ocean County Baptist Church. In the bulletin on my pastor's note, I just put a little brief history there about the church and how it was founded and the pastors that have been here and what God has been doing uh, over these 39 years. And God has certainly been good to us and has blessed us in a great way. There have been a multitude of people saved through this church ministry. And if we had everybody that's been saved over the 39 years here, we'd have to have a building four times as big as this building. Uh, but people move out of the area, people die, people get angry. Can't believe that, but they actually do. Uh, people disagree at different times, and, but God has been faithful to the church ministry 
here at Ocean County Baptist Church. I believe this is a great church, and I believe God has his hand on this church in a great way. That's a good place for God's people to say amen, amen. amen. Everybody's afraid, I think, some, in the days we live in, we're afraid to uh, pronounce loudly support of what we ought to be loyal to. It's all right to say you're happy that your church is a great church, amen. Um, over the several years, 39 years of ministry, I don't know of everyone before I came here, but there's a few I knew before I came here, but certainly in the 24 years that I've been here, I've been trying to keep record of those that have left from this church and gone into full-time vocational ministry, as we call it, full-time ministry. And uh, I come up with a number of 24 people out of this church that are out in full-time ministry. Uh, that is an amazing concept. That is people from our church. Then we have staff that have come here that have worked as a youth pastor, or worked as a music pastor, or different, uh, different types of ministries like that. They've grown, got experience, uh, they've developed in the Lord, and then they left here and are pastoring churches and, in, and, and, and leading ministries. And I think we have eight more people in that type of a capacity. And so that's an amazing thing for a church to put that many people out in the ministry is evidence of God's hands of blessing upon a church ministry. And uh, I rejoice in seeing what God is doing. God is doing great things in the life of John the Baptist in John chapter 3. And uh, John the Baptist was a man that was uh, above measure as far as his character in reference to others uh, during his day. Matter of fact, his birth was prophesied in Luke chapter 1, as Zacharias would be ministering in the temple, God would reveal to him that he was going to have a son, and that son would be the forerunner of Jesus Christ. And so his birth was prophesied. Uh, we also know that he preached a message of repentance. In Matthew chapter 3, in verse 1 and 2, John comes on the scene, and he's, repeating, he's preaching a message, and you need to repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And so he was a man that was prophesied of coming, a man that preached with power, repentance towards God. And Jesus made the statement in Matthew 11 and verse 11 that John was the greatest that was ever born of woman. Uh, and that's an amazing statement that Jesus Christ would make reference to John the Baptist. Yet John, with this greatness of character and position, would state that he must increase. And John knew that he was not the Christ, he was the forerunner. John understood that his life was not about himself, his life was about the Messiah who was coming. John understood that everything that he was preaching and proclaiming to the people was for the purpose of directing them towards Jesus Christ when he would come on the scene. And so John just simply said, he must increase. Jesus had said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto myself. And so the reality is the more that Christ increases, the more there is the attraction for people to come to him. The more there is an attraction for people to come in the church uh, when Christ is exalted and lifted up. Certainly John was a man that was not prideful. 
For Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. It is easy in our flesh to be involved in ministry and see the blessings of God flowing uh, and get puffed up in our pride. Uh, thinking it's about us or thinking about it's uh, about our planning or our managing skills and all this, that, and the other. And the reality, you know, it's about Jesus Christ. He needs to be lifted up. He needs to be exalted. He needs to be increasing in our relationship with him and increasing in our ministries. It is about Christ and Christ alone. Jesus stated very clearly, it was in John 12 and 32, that if he was lifted up from the earth, he would draw all men unto himself. And so he must increase. That's why we want to go with that theme this year. We want everything to focus on Jesus Christ and his impact in our life and how it moves through our lives. And so I thought about this, increasing. I thought about the increase. We need to increase in faith. We need to increase in faith. In uh, Luke chapter 17... And uh, we can turn over there and look at a few verses as we're going through this lesson. But in Luke chapter 17 and uh, verse 5, uh, we need the disciples came to Jesus and their desire was to increase in their faith. And John, Luke 17 and 5 says, And the apostles said unto the Lord, Increase our faith. Uh, we need to increase in faith. And uh, because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And uh, God is not pleased when we just kind of intellectually approach things and look at things or try to manage the work of God. God is not impressed with that. God wants us to be people of faith. And so what are you willing to do to step out by faith? Are you willing to let God increase your faith? I've seen God do all kinds of miraculous things. I've seen God provide uh, for the um, ministry needs in this church. I've seen him do it in the two other churches that I pastored. I've seen God meet uh, needs miraculously in my personal life. And I want God to stretch my faith. I want him to increase my faith to believe even greater things and uh, believe in the power of God to move. Uh, this, this Remodeling this sanctuary is nothing to God. As far as the finances, it's nothing to God. God can pay for that. God can move through you. You say, I don't see how God can bless me. You need to have faith to believe that he'll bless you in your giving. And uh, you need to believe that God will bless you in your ministries. Oftentimes people say, I don't want to be a part of a ministry because I don't feel as though I can be very successful. You're right. You can't be. But Christ can be in your life. And so we need to increase in our faith Believing what God can do. God can still do the impossible. In Mark chapter 9, we read of a man who uh, comes to Jesus Christ and desires for his son to be healed. In uh, Mark chapter 9, and uh, verse, uh, I don't know, let's see, we'll pick it up in verse 16. He says, he asked the scribes what questions ye, uh, what questions ye with him. And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And whithersoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnashes with his teeth, and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. Here is a father that is in frustration 
uh, because of the condition of his son. His son is in a position or condition of severe bondage. He is bound by a demon, and he brings his son to the disciples and desire them that they would do something in casting this demon out of him. And he says, he's frustrated because he says the disciples could not. I just wonder if that's a follow-up of the disciples in Luke 17 when they said, increase our faith. Because here's a man that brings his son in severe condition, in bondage, and they couldn't do anything with it. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so they come to Jesus and say, increase our faith. And the, the struggles and the difficulties that we must deal with coming up in 2020 uh, are going to be amazing. Uh, they're going to be overwhelming. And uh, we're going to have to have faith to believe God. In every angle, every turn that you make in present-day America, there's attacks on the church and trying to prevent the church from uh, doing the ministries that God has given us to do. Uh, there's attacks on Christians constantly in living out your Christian life. And uh, what, whatever the community may be, whatever the immoral conduct it may be, there is always a direct attack that Christians are hateful and unloving because of the fact uh, that we live our Christian life according to what the Word of God has to say. And so we're going to have to be increased in faith in order to be able to deal with this. I know folks were out soul winning one day, and a lady called up here, a man, I mean, she was mad. She was yelling and hollering at me, and uh, she said, you people came by, and I have a do not knock registry on my door, and I didn't tell her, but I didn't feel like arguing with her, but technically, I read the law. Do not lock, knock. Church groups are exempt from that because of the fact the Jehovah Witnesses went to the Supreme Court about knocking on people's doors and being a public witness, and the Supreme Court said you have the right, your basic right you have as an American is to share your faith with someone else. And so in that law that was written in here in Tom's River, when that law came out, do not knock, I read it, and it states in there that religious groups are exempt from that. So I did, but I didn't want to argue with her. I'm a nice guy, so I just didn't say anything to her. And she's yelling and hollering at me, and I finally, I told her, I said, well, ma'am, we're just out in the neighborhood just trying to share with people the love of God. We want you to know how much God loves you. And she went off. That's not love knocking on my door. I mean, she was screaming and hollering. What is wrong? These people are severely bound up with, with a hatred. They're bound up with a, a, a disdain for God. They are bound up by the God of this world, uh, just absolutely refusing the opportunity for anyone to be able to share the love of Christ. Our faith has to be increased because we need to have faith to believe that God can do the impossible. And God can break down those barriers and those bondages. You may have some bondage in your life you can't get victory over. I want you to know that Jesus Christ, if he's increased in your life, he'll give you the victory over that bondage. So there was severe bondage that needed the increase of Christ. As you read on through the story, it says, He answered and saith unto him, O faithless generation, 
How long shall I be with you, and how long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him straightway, the spirit tear him. And he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And so as this demon is brought into the presence of Christ, because he's possessing this old young man, he literally rips the young man and, and throws the young man on the ground. And, and the young man starts wallowing and foaming at the mouth because of the demon that is possessing him. And then verse 21, he asked his father, how long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, of a child. So not only is it a severe bondage, but there was an extended suffering. And bondage always brings suffering. But the only means of eliminating suffering is the Lord Jesus Christ. I've watched over the years people will be uh, living for God, walking and serving the Lord or whatever, and some tragedy comes in their life, and the first thing to do is they turn their back on the Lord. And I'm going to tell you one thing. That's the worst thing that you can ever do in the midst of a tragedy is to walk away from God. Because the answer to the tragedy in your life is Jesus Christ being increased. It is the presence of Christ that eliminates the bondage. It's the presence of Christ that binds the demon's hands. It is the presence of Christ that sets the captive free. And he wanted to know how long has this been done, uh, being taken care of in this boy's life? And he said, ever since he was a child, he has been demon-possessed. I'll tell you right now, I've watched some of these things with some of these kids. And the way kids act nowadays I'm just wondering sometimes if it's demonic. You know, I'm telling you. Some of you are looking at me goofy right now because that's normally how a Christian looks at you when you talk about demons. Demons are real. They're powerful. They, they possess people who are not saved. They oppress people who are saved. And the only answer to overcoming demonic influence is the presence of Jesus Christ. And they cause extreme discomfort, disquietness, and suffering in people's lives. And so severe bondage ends up being extended suffering without Christ. And so the disciples are crying, increase our faith. We've never seen this before. We've never dealt with this before. We need our faith increased. And then in chapter 9, and where we're reading in verse 22, and oft times it cast him into the fire and into waters to destroy him. It's hard to get people to understand that the devil is not interested in blessing you. He is interested in destroying you. He uses every opportunity, every resource that he can possibly get that's in this world to destroy your life. And so all times he throw him in the fire and in the waters to destroy him. And then he cries, but if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. I mean, this man is at the end of his rope. He is at the end of his uh, life of uh, hope. He is saying there, there just absolutely nobody can do anything if you can just Show some love. If you can just show some compassion, will you help us? 
And then in verse 23, Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And so open opportunities. Severe bondage develops extended suffering that brings you to an open possibility. All things are possible to him that believeth. Now, saints of God, don't try to put a disclaimer on that. Don't try to say, well, if certain conditions are there. He said, all things are possible if you can believe. And whatever the bondage is, whatever the suffering is, whatever the condition is, if God will increase our faith because of the presence of Christ in our life, he being lifted up in our life, then God can give us great victories over and over again. It is, is, not, it is not about seminars, and it's not about all kinds of uh, other things that we, books we read in this. It's Jesus Christ. And Christ is not being exalted and lifted up like he used to be exalted and lifted up. And so he must be exalted in our midst. Why? Because we need our faith increased. I thought not only about increase in faith, but I thought about increase in ministry. Look over in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. If you've not been over through the gym, you need to take a walk over there. In the gym, we have a whole row of tables set up with displays of different ministries that go on in this church. And the displays have a sign-up sheet if you're interested in helping out in one of those ministries. Uh, we'd love to have you be a part of that. And uh, well, you can go signed up, sign up for that and uh, be a part of uh, that ministry, uh, whatever it may be. And, uh, and um, oftentimes on a Sunday morning uh, and through the week, people come and go in our church and they have no idea, no idea the many ministries that we have going on in this place. And God is using a multitude of people. And so an increase in ministry. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6, Paul says, I have planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. So increase in ministry, we're talking about Christ being increased, him being lifted up. Increase in ministry, we understand there's an individual responsibility. Paul says here, I have planted, Apollos has watered. That's individual responsibility. The church exists and functions the way it does because of individuals. It's not about any one person. It's about a collective group of people who are committed to do the work of the ministry. Uh, we had a great dinner last night. Those of you who didn't make it last night, you missed out. I'm telling you, the food was good, and the preaching was hot. <laughs> I preached, that's why. Amen. But anyway, the in individual responsibility. There were people who set up tables, people who decorated tables, people who guided the, the food to be placed, people who set up their displays, people who lined up the, the order of the service, people who sang special music, it's not a one-man band. It's not a one-person uh, ministry. It's a multitude. There's those that plant. Those are those that are watering. And if you're not connected with the ministry in some fashion, planting or watering, you're missing out on a blessing. 
And the way church ministry continues to grow is people increasing their involvement in the ministry, not decreasing it. You say, I just don't feel like I could go on or I can do what I uh, used to do. Well, why don't you let Christ be exalted in your life? I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. It's just a matter of who's in charge, who's being lifted up, who is being exalted. It's not about us. It's not about any individual. It's about us collectively acknowledging our individual responsibility. Any morning on a Sunday service, in this service here, we got individuals in the choir singing. You got somebody leading music. You got somebody doing video. You got somebody doing the sound system. You got somebody ushering. You got somebody in the nursery. You got somebody passing out literature. You got, do you realize how many people, how many people it takes for a ministry to function? It just doesn't happen because you came in and sat down in the pew. It happens because of individual responsibility. We may need to increase ministry. Not just that, but I see another thing here. Uh, corporate equality. Because he says here in verse 7, So that neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth. Corporate equality. In other words, we're all on the same page. And I understand the Apostle Paul said, I magnify my office. I've never been one to try to exalt the pastorate. I, you know, I'm just a man like you are. I understand God called me into being a minister of the, of the gospel of Christ. I understand he has given me the responsibility to be the pastor of the church, but it is not about exalting Mike Weigel. It's a, if there's any exaltation, it's the office of the pastorate. Because nobody's anything. I'm nothing without Christ. You're nothing without Christ. It's not about, oh, well, I'm a deacon in the church. Oh, whippy dippy. Corporate equality. There's got to be a sense of equality in the body of Christ if we're going to increase in ministry. Because every aspect of the ministry is important and it's significant. And so he identifies, he said, I planted Apollos water. Well, neither one of us is, is above the other. We're all the same. Basically, we're nothing. Then I see divine productivity in verse 7, but God, it, but God that giveth the increase. And so we must have divine productivity. It is God who increases and enlarge our coast. It is God who blesses the ministries that we enjoy. It is God that gives us the talents and the gifts to do ministry. In Ephesians chapter 4, in verse 11, and it says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And so it's a divine interaction, a divine productivity that takes place in a ministry. 
Because we want God to increase our faith, our faith is increased as Christ is exalted in our life. And certainly the ministry is going to increase as we lift up Christ because he said he, he would draw all men unto himself. And the reality is the more we lift up Christ, the more people come to Christ and the more opportunities we have to minister for Christ. I think present day church growth uh, seminars and things that are going on have lost the reality of what ministry is about. I really do. I think we need to get back to old school, just lifting up Jesus Christ in everything. I thought of this. There needs to be an increase in love. In Ephesians 4, we're in chapter 4, in verse 16, Paul says, For whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to effectual working and the measuring of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. 1 Thessalonians 3, 12 says, And the Lord make you increase and abound in love one towards another and towards all men, even as we do towards you. And so an increase. If Christ is going to be lifted up, you understand the love of God, the love of Christ is being revealed. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And so if Christ is being exalted, it's kind of hard for us to hate one another. This matter of love is initiated by God. And 1 John 4.10 says, Here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. And so the initiation of God demonstrating what love is as he sent his son into this world to die for our sins. We say, well, I love people, but I don't want to do anything for anybody. Well, No, that's, that's not a demonstration of love of God because the love of God is always sacrificing and reaching out to others. It's initiated by God. It's expressed to each other. Uh, in John chapter 13, Jesus you know, was very clear in challenging his disciples of the example he gave them to live by and how they were to respond to one another. In uh, uh, John chapter 13, in verse uh, 34, he says, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. And then he tells us how we're supposed to love one another. That you love one another. And then he says, oh, um, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. See, the world has a concept about love that is a perverted love. The concept of love in the world is based on the fact you do something for me, okay, I'll love you. The biblical love that's in the scriptures is you do nothing for me. You're, matter of fact, you're my enemy, but I love you anyway. And then he says in verse 35, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one for another. And certainly, if there ought to be something that is experienced within the church, within the body of Christ, and it is an increase of our love for each other. Uh, there, there, this is a foreign concept that we are Christians and we just live unto ourselves. We're not an island unto ourselves. God has saved us to serve others. God has saved us to love one another. And we're to love one another as Christ loved us. This love is generated by the Holy Spirit. 
in Romans 5, 5, it says, And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. And so God initiates love towards us to demonstrate how we're supposed to love one another, and we're supposed to express that love of God in us to each other. And you say, well, how can I do it? It's the fullness of the Holy Spirit of God in us. That's how. So we need to increase in love. I thought about increasing in the Word. And uh, there's a multitude of things we can consider, but the scriptures are very clear on what we ought to be doing in 1 Peter 2, 2. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. We're going to be able to increase in our Christian life, increase in our devotion to our God. It's going to take an increase in the word of God, not a decrease. Notice the need. The need is basic. The need is as newborn babes. If you have a baby and you don't give it milk, that baby is not going to grow. It's not going to be nourished. It's not going to mature. And for someone who is saved or a born-again child of God, uh, you're not going to be able to grow in your walk with Christ and in your faith if you're not in the Word of God. You have got to have a regiment, a discipline, if you will, uh, that, that you in your personal life are digging into the Word of God. You're reading it, you're studying it, you're praying over it. When my wife and I got saved, we didn't have a nice Bible like this. All we had was a big white family Bible. It's about that thick, it weighed about 50 pounds, amen? And when we went to church, that's all we had. That's what we took. We had that big Bible under our arm, and I had a yellow legal pad with me. We'd walk in carrying that legal pad and that big Bible. And we'd sit down, the preacher would start preaching, and I'd write down every verse, he said. I wrote down every point of his outline. I write down every joke, he said. I wrote down everything. And then when church was done, we'd go home, and we'd sit down with that big family Bible, and we would open it up, and we would go down through that legal pad, every note that we wrote down, and look it up in the scriptures and study it out and make sure what the preacher was saying is true. And I'll tell you, that discipline, that discipline to do that has impacted our life as believers in Christ. And I'm going to tell you right now, there is nothing that is more vital in your life than increasing your devotion and your study and your meditation on the Word of God. Why? Because you have a need. As a newborn babe, you need to, there's the desire. Uh, it says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. And, uh, well, you know, babies always desire to eat more. And uh, well, we just got a puppy, just like I, that's something I need, like I need a hole in the head. But anyway, we got a, another puppy. And it's just interesting, whenever she goes in the other room, she always wants to go in the room where we keep the dog food. And that's where she wants to lay and sleep. She wants to sit there and keep her eye on the dog food. And why? Because she desires to have more dog food. And if you don't feed her, she picks up her bowl and brings it into you. <laughs> why? Because she desires to get more food. Well, that's what the scriptures are saying about our relationship with the Word of God. We ought to desire it. In Psalm 37, it tells us to delight thyself in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thy heart. He didn't say delight thyself in the world. 
He said, delight thyself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your life. In other words, he'll increase you based on what the word of God has to say. So there's the need as newborn babes. There's a desire, desiring the sincere milk. And then there's a source. The source is desire the sincere milk of the word. That's the source of our growth. That's the source of our increase. That is our source of understanding who God is. It is the word of God. I appreciate different people who write books, and there's some good authors that you can read. It has good literature. But I'm going to tell you right now, there is nothing that replaces the word of God in growing you and maturing you and increasing your relationship with the living God. The source is the word of God. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. The word of God is so powerful, so we need an increase of the word. Here's the last one. You're rejoicing now. Yeah. Increase in giving. I thought I'd save the good one for last. Amen. <laughs> well, how do we do that? You know, we, we have needs in the church all the time. The church can't function without God's people giving God's way. First of all, we increase our giving in the matter of obediently. Obedient. We just obey what God has said. Leviticus 27:30, and I put it on the screen for you so you can see it. Says, in all the tithe of the land, whether it be the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's, it is holy unto the Lord. Now you're gonna to have to argue with God. I was listening to a preacher the other day. He was preaching, I was listening on the radio as I was going somewhere. And uh, he said, well, all I got to say is, is I didn't write the Bible. You know, God wrote it. If you, if you got a problem with the author, why don't you talk to him about what he said? <laughs> I said, amen, brother, preach it, amen. And all the tithe, all the tithe, all the tithe, all the tithe. I can't pass it. I got a, a, a scrape in the CD. All the tithe. All the tithe of the land, whether it be a seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. All the tithe is the Lord's. And where we begin giving as a young Christian is we begin tithing. That's the beginning of all giving, is giving a tenth of what God has blessed us with. You say, oh, yeah, but what about, I remember I was driving tractor and trailer because I got paid in gross pay and I'd have to pay my taxes as a self-employed person and all this, that, and the other. And uh, I had different Christians say, well, what do you tithe on, the net or the gross? And I said, well, Uncle Sam takes his from the gross. So what are you going to do? Give God what's left over? I said, no, you tithe on your gross. You tithe on your growth. Now, some of you are starting to shift around a little bit. Don't grab your wallet. I'm not coming after it. You're okay. <laughs> Increase. If Christ is exalted, if Christ is lifted up in my life, I don't have a problem with giving him what he told me to give. And, and, and so very early as a Christian, when God saved us, my wife and I just said, hey, tithe? Okay, I didn't know about that. We just started giving 10%. We didn't have a problem with that. And God has always blessed me. I have counseled with people over the years. I remember one fellow, it was this years ago, he was struggling financially. He was going under, and I told him, I said, brother, you got to start tithing. And he said, I can't afford to tithe. I said, right now, you can't afford not to tithe. 
You're in debt up to your ears. You're overwhelmed with bills. You got every kind of bill collector there is calling you and threatening you and everything else. I said, I think God's trying to get a hold of your attention. Hey, look up here to me. I said, you need to start tithing. And you know what he did? He started tithing. And about two, three years later, he came to me. He told me, he said, Pastor, thanks so much. for that. I'm out of debt. And God blessed me for tithing. It's just amazing how God took, took care of my needs. I'm telling you by testimony, personal testimony, that if you let God increase your giving, that you can't outgive God. You can't. And so you got to be obedient. Then I believe we ought to give expectantly. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 38, I don't believe this is the tithe. I believe this is over and above the tithe. And Luke chapter 6 and verse 38 says, Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. So above and beyond the time. Just give expectantly. When I give, I don't make demands of God, but my expectation of my heart is that I, if I give what God lays on my heart, Above and beyond the tithe, God gave me that idea. God impressed it on my heart. God's going to take care of everything else. And I've watched over the years. He does take care of everything else. And then I thought of this. You need to give cheerfully. Cheerfully. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, Every man, according as he purpose in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of a necessity, for God loveth. A cheerful giver. If you're going to be grumpy about giving, just keep your money. God will chastise you some other way. Amen. You know, you need to be excited about the fact that God has blessed us. We have this mindset. You know, I work hard. And because I work hard, everything I have is mine. And well, I've got to hoard what I have. And when it comes time to give something to God, we get grumpy and and, and I mean, you, you preachers, all you do is put people on guilt trips and you just try to get money out of people. And all. You know what? Why don't you just be happy about that God has blessed you and increased you in a way that you can give to, to whatever it is the need is. And uh, we, we just need to ask God to increase us. You say, well, how can I be increased? I'll tell you how. You just got to exalt Christ. Jesus is the one who has stated that if he would be lifted up, uh, that he would draw men to himself. It is Christ that is stated that he, he would bless us if we would exalt him. John the Baptist was very clear in his position that Jesus Christ needed to be increased, not decreased. And everything about himself was to decrease so that Christ continued to be exalted and lifted up. And I believe Ocean County Baptist Church, this 39th anniversary, uh, really needs to be reminded of the fact that if we're going to increase, whatever the area is, if we're going to increase, it's going to require us to make much of Jesus Christ. Go where, where your lapel pin. Somebody asked you, what's, what's that about? That's an opportunity for you to tell people about Christ. Uh, wherever it may be. We need to make much of Jesus Christ. Why? Because if, we, if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't be saved. If it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have a hope of heaven. 
If it wasn't for the blessings of God, this church wouldn't be here for 39 years. And so we ought to make much of Christ. He must increase. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be together this morning. We're thankful for the blessings and the fullness of God upon us, Lord. Uh, pray for us that you would help us um, to surrender more and exalt Christ more uh, in our homes, on our job, in our personal walk, in our church, in our ministries. Lord, you must increase. So give us that opportunity, Lord, so we might be able to experience the increase of God in all these other areas. And Lord, I know that you'll be magnified, you'll be lifted up, you'll be glorified if we'll just focus on increasing the name of Christ. So blessing this invitation, or maybe somebody here not saved, I pray they would come and receive Christ. I pray for believers that we would surrender all to you, Lord. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.